Welcome to another episode of New Teacher Talk. We're here to support you. Our podcast channel is intentionally designed to support those who are new to teaching. We talk about the most common challenges that educators experience. And you'll find a community of support through this channel, our associated webpage, newteachersguide.org, and our Twitter account, at newteachertalk1. We're the hosts for New Teacher Talk. I'm Dr. Anna. My passion is supporting teachers as they establish and expand their practice to build a long and fulfilling career. I'm a board-certified early childhood generalist. And I'm Dr. Beth, former high school band director and current career and teacher educator. A passion of mine is retention of new teachers. If you're listening to this podcast, either you are or will be a new teacher in the future or maybe you're a new teacher mentor or induction coordinator. It's no secret that becoming a successful teacher is challenging. We all need to consider how to contribute towards being part of a healthy school community where all voices are heard and valued. We have two well-known educators as our guests today to talk about professionalism and school culture, Dr. Jana Hunsaker and Mr. Rashad Talley. Welcome, Jana and Rashad. Jana? Would you share with us who you are and why you have a deep interest in the topic of professionalism and school culture? I would be glad to. My name is Jana Hunziker. I'm a professor in the Department of Education, Counseling, and Leadership at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. I'm also the Associate Dean for Academic Affairs for the College of Education and Health Sciences at Bradley. Formerly, I was a middle school teacher and an elementary principal, so working as both a professor and an associate dean is ideal for me, and I think it reflects my interest in teacher leadership, which relates to my contribution to the book. Thank you, Jana. Rashad, would you tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you care about this topic of school culture and professionalism? Hi, guys. I'm Rashad Talley assistant principal at Gwendolyn Brooks College Prep in the city, and I am also a doctoral candidate at Northern Illinois University in the College of Education. For me, the topic of professionalism in school culture is important, as I have always been a proponent of building capacity, specifically in what was always considered a female-dominated industry. So for me, professionalism in school culture is important as a male in the industry. Thank you, Rashad. It's good to have these two great perspectives to this topic today about professionalism and school culture. And I think maybe a good place we might start is where we are in the second half of the school year. So Jana, I'll start with you. In your opinion, share with us, how can new teachers stay cognizant about speaking kindly and honestly with whom they work? How can they watch for bias and favoritism for some students over others? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think it can be helpful to distinguish between school climate and school culture. Climate is more about the present moment and how people are feeling today. And so a lot of times it's dependent on conditions whereas school culture is deeper and it has more to do with underlying beliefs and values. So I think that when we reach a point of fatigue, we're tired, it's winter time, days are short, 
I think if we can remember our underlying values and beliefs, remember why we became a teacher, remember why we're doing everything that we can to help students be successful, that can in turn influence our behavior in a positive way so that we speak honestly and politely to others. Thanks for providing that dichotomy between what is climate versus school culture. Rashad, what about yourself? I would definitely agree with Dr. Janet in terms of differentiation between climate and culture. And I believe it's a true balancing act in being mindful of one's own habits and mindsets during this time. And it's okay to hit the reset button, to refresh yourself, to refresh the students and staff that you're working with, and just to always be in reflection mode in terms of how you are approaching situations and conversations, and just to be mindful of the cues that people are giving you uh, verbally and non-verbally, and to be aware of how that may be affecting overall climate and culture in the campus or in the building. Right now, we're seeing some outside noise that teachers are having a hard time putting aside. How do you keep that in mind when you are thinking about the work that you're doing with your students and your colleagues? I think that when you think about why you got into education in the first place, because there is a lot of outside noise. There are a lot of things that are happening in our society. There are a lot of things that are happening in our school system. I look at the drove of educators that are leaving the profession, that are you know, leaving different districts. And when you have a focus and when you have a classroom, you have school community that you are engaged with and committed to, it's important to continue to engage with those stakeholders to remind them of the goals that you've set, of the vision that has been cast at the very beginning, and to stay true to the work. I also think that engaging individual students in, you know, lessons and units. And for me, specifically as an educator who's in the classrooms, uh, who's working with teachers and working with students, looking at curriculum to engage as well, because it just kind of keeps us close to the work. Gianna, do you have any thoughts about that? I think just remembering what we're there for, uh, not getting distracted by everything that's out there, and, and maybe more importantly, not letting it weigh us down. I think so much has happened in the last couple of years that it, it's really easy to become anxious and that makes us less effective in the work that we do. And I'd like to follow up on that to ask about the fact that it seems that relationships with our students, with our stakeholders, with our colleagues really matters. So how does one strengthen and deepen professional relationships at this time of the year? And what does that look like? I think of mutual respect. Even if others are not showing respect for us, if we can model respect for others, I think that mutual respect builds over time and in turn influences the climate, influences how people are feeling right now. It makes us more patient with one another, more forgiving when others make mistakes. It allows us to use humor rather than becoming offended when something goes wrong. We're less judgmental, all of those things. That's so true. Rashad, what does that look like in your urban setting? I'm glad that you asked. I was thinking as Dr. Jana was speaking, and I know that we have a heavy focus on social emotional well-being of our students. But we, in turn, also have to pause and reflect on the social emotional well-being of ourselves and our colleagues and our staff. And when we're paying attention to that, there are norms that we must set for ourselves 
time that we must take away for ourselves and just be concerned about the person. A lot of times I think we focus on the educator and focuses on the curriculum and compliance and all these things. But when you are able to kind of steal away for a bit, whether it's a happy hour or time, you know, after school or during a lunch break with a colleague, those times are just as important as the PLCs or the grade level meetings or the district level, you know, initiatives and professional development that you're taking. When we take time to make sure that there's a balance as well for the adults that are engaged with students uh, concerned about their social emotional well-being, when we check that off the list, then we're able to kind of take a look at ourselves and make sure that we're okay and to check in with each other and to just do a temperature check. That's one of the things that we're doing in our building. Because I'm at middle school and high school, when we have games, we're committed to staying after um, basketball games and the swim meets and just checking in. Just make it really simple. It's not super complicated, but just to just kind of keep a pulse on our colleagues and just make sure that we're okay. Sounds like you're trying to prioritize the humanness over the role of educator. And that is so important. As you alluded to, Jana, gosh, so much has changed in the last two years. And I know, Rashad, you have seen it too because of the pandemic and the pressures that is put on teachers and new teachers entering the field. It's very stressful. And thinking about professionalism and school culture, I don't think we've ever seen past years like we have now. The stress that we see the new teachers going through, and both of you have mentored many new teachers. Are there habits that new teachers need to reestablish during this part of the school year? What do you think, Rashad? I think at this time during the year, we just had a, you know, a turn of the semester a few weeks ago, and I was talking with some of my colleagues. You talked about mentorship. I have some folks who have really stepped up into teacher leadership, and we were just having a conversation about, you know, it's okay to press the reset button and to reestablish norms. Just start the year fresh. I still think that you can still say Happy New Year at this time, but just a time to re-engage. We just had a re-engagement conversation with our district level leadership, where we kind of looked at some data points, really were able to reset and, and set ourselves for a trajectory to the end of the year. Like, here's where we are now. Where are we headed and how are we going to get there? It's okay to do that middle of the year, just kind of pause and take stock of what has happened, take it all in, process that, and then take some next steps forward, planning and executing what will make us a deemed successful towards the end of the year. So that's super important for us. That approach really is very forgiving and helpful to new teachers who feel that they have to be as perfect as possible the first few years. And we know that that's just not possible because the profession has its challenges. What you're describing as administrators and buildings and the teachers you're interacting with can stop, reflect, pause. It can almost feel like the start of a new year, and it doesn't even have to be the new year. We can give ourselves grace to do that and encourage new teachers to do that. Rashad, I'm going to stay with this line of conversation, if you don't mind. How might a mentor factor into all of this sort of mindset that new teachers need at this time of year? I think that in a mentorship capacity, giving a mentee or a new teacher an opportunity to look at those pluses and deltas, look at, look at what has happened already. 
Where are our successes? Where have they been? What can we continue doing at this time towards the end of our time? And what are some things that we probably need to shift gears on, so to speak? And just giving space and time for that new teacher to have voice, to have agency, and and the level of self-efficacy that it takes to be empowered to move forward, to asking those tough questions and giving that space, uh, sometimes yet uncomfortable, for that new teacher to kind of just take stock of what is already taking place, what are some things that I want to hold on to, what are some things that I want to let go of, and what are some things that I maybe I have not tried yet that may bode well for the trajectory towards the end of this first or second year. I like the role of the mentor in that situation because they encourage the new teacher to reflect and to decide what is going well, because there are many things that are going well, but sometimes when we're in the thick of things, we only see the negative and not the progress we've made. But communication is so critically important between the mentor and the new teacher and having those honest conversations as you have really spoken to and to be able to reset if something needs to happen. That's just professional growth, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. I'd like to ask Jana to jump in here, who has a strong background in teacher leadership, and that sort of goes hand in hand with mentoring. What is your opinion and your experience, Jana, when it comes to mentors, teacher leaders, working with new teachers at this point in the school year and resetting, if you will? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a good time to remind new teachers of how far they've come because they have learned a lot just in those first four or five months of the school year. And sometimes they don't realize how much they've learned. So going back and and reminding them of when they came in in August, this is what they were thinking. This is what they were doing. I also think it's important to provide a safe place for them to take risks. And Rashad just referred to this as far as what haven't I tried yet? So it's a good time now that they have a little bit of experience and they've had some successes, where are they comfortable pushing themselves and trying something new or doing something differently? And that's the great thing about mentoring and instructional coaching is that new teachers can take those risks within a supportive environment. And if they're not successful, then they try again. I think giving new teachers grace and giving them the opportunity to try things, reflect on them, work with the mentor, try things in a different way, see what works. And we know as the school year goes on, things that were really successful or really were seamless in the fall may no longer be effective in the second half of the school year. So how do you step back, reflect on that? make changes, utilize peers, utilize teachers in the building who are really expert at what they do and talk with them, collaborate with them. That's a form of professionalism is connecting with other people that are professional educators that can be the building administrator. It can be your grade level colleague or your content area colleague. Maybe you're in the same department and really building off of that because you don't have to be the person in your classroom by yourself struggling on your own, but rather sense of professionalism and a school culture where we are all working together to be better at what we do and helping students, all students, and they all have different needs, not only the new teachers, but the students for that matter. Absolutely. Jana, you talked about how you have to point out to new teachers 
this is your journey. This is where you've come from. This is how you've grown. So often new teachers at this point of the year are worried, am I going to be able to measure up? Will they invite me back to come next year to teach? As new teachers reflect, how can they begin to take a moment to be grateful for where they've come from and how do they show that gratitude toward others, especially with all the stressors, internal and external that come with the job of teaching? Well, I think a simple thank you goes a long way. New teachers do have a lot to be thankful for in terms of all of the people around them who are supporting them. I think sometimes to be humble enough to even say thank you when something doesn't go well and they receive correction. That's how we grow, as difficult as it is. But being gracious, being humble, I think helps us to grow more quickly and more comfortably in the long run. I really appreciate that because sometimes it's hard to say I'm wrong, I was wrong, to make myself vulnerable to the point that I don't know it all. Most of the new teachers are struggling with that idea that they want to show themselves to be efficacious, yet unsure on the inside of whether that's just bluster or whether it's real. I remember when I was a new teacher and a veteran teacher said, you know, you're not really going to be good at teaching until about your fifth year. And that was so disheartening to me at the time because I felt like I was already a good teacher in many ways. But looking back on it, I went through the same experience when I entered higher education. Again, it took me a while before I became a good teacher in higher education. Just having patience in getting to be a good teacher is important. Thank you, Jana. Rashad, what do you see in terms of how to be grateful for those who are supporting you? I was just sitting here thinking when Dr. Jana was talking, and it's the, the phrase saying thank you when it hurts. It's not easy to be reflective, not only about where the teacher may have made some areas, where there were growth areas, but it's just difficult to look at yourself in the mirror and say, ah, that was a growth area for me. I can envision a new teacher sitting down and thinking about some of the moves that they've made that may not have been successful in the very beginning, but even with the move that they were making towards a classroom management or writing a good unit, there's someone there that was along the way that was pushing you. So when it hurts, you say thank you for the push, for the teacher across the hallway who showed you how to talk and have those conversations with parents or for your mentor who comes in every couple of weeks and really giving you that honest feedback about those assessments and how they align to the standards, making a list of all, maybe a few, you know, a few of the responsibilities that you've had and looking at how you've grown and what it took to get there or areas where you still have some challenges, but you're making it. And then maybe putting a name next to it, just so you can kind of quantify those things in that list and being able to speak to the person or the group of people or the team of people that have been helping you along the way, even when it was hurting. That's kind of what I see. Rashad, I know you've been a classroom teacher, you've been a mentor, you're an administrator, so going to be Dr. Talley. Question for you, when we think about professionalism and school culture, what do you think is the greatest challenge that they're facing right now? 
I think right now, looking for other models, because things can unravel right in front of you. Uh, other teachers may not be presenting their best selves in this culture, in this climate. You know, being reminded of the things that may have come out of pre-service uh, opportunities or things that they've read in books or whatever have you. But then being mindful and using that emotional intelligence in terms of cues that you can pick up, things that you can carry with you, kind of keep you in a professional stance. And then yes, maybe attaching yourself to one or a couple of teachers who you see have impact and effect in the environment and making that maybe an informal relationship where you can just kind of glean from and learn from. I really think that that's really important because sometimes we look at the teacher down the hall that's popular or one that's saying or naysaying in the department meetings or what have you. And that that may not necessarily be the mantra that you want to pick up as a new teacher, but just kind of being very observant and coupling it again with what they may have learned in internship or pre-service time, also relying on the mentor, asking questions and just being able to fit if you will, into your own suit and kind of making it up as you go along, making sure that along the way you're observing and picking up the pieces that you think are how you want to be viewed as a professional, respected, and looked at as someone who is doing the work of the educator. I really value talking about surrounding yourself by professional educators and positive professional educators at that we see all kinds of teachers in our buildings. Some are better than others. And that really creates a mindset, doesn't it, of how you want to conduct yourself. I liked your phrase when you said sort of fitting into your suit, into what you are going to be, and sort of pushing through when there are some lows. And there always are. What happens if they're in a building where the mentor or the mentoring is not great? What advice would you give to a new teacher? I think about the adage that says it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a teacher. I think that there may be a conglomerate of folks who can support that teacher, but also in that relationship between the new teacher and the mentor, there may be times where the mentee may have to manage up. Maybe there are some things that in that time the teacher may need and maybe the mentor, because they're not in the day-to-day, -day, are not aware. There may be some things that the teacher may not be speaking about that the mentor is not picking up on. So I think that there can be really fresh dialogue about what the current needs are in the current climate and being able to make those shifts and moves based on the need. Sometimes in a mentorship program, there may be scripts, there may be templates, there may be things that are kind of staple for the relationship, but then it again becomes organic and, and into the needs of that teacher uh, that may need a little extra push or may not need as much or may just need to do things that speak to uh, the trajectory of that teacher's future. And then just making sure that it's adaptive in nature and then making those moves to be supportive uh, of that teacher to move forward. In our school, we also do peer support. It may not be as intimidating as having my mentor come in. It may not be as intimidating as having my administrator come in. Maybe there's another teacher that you may feel a little bit more comfortable with being vulnerable with. We've seen that that relationship works as well. And then it becomes a triad opportunity. Again, that village mm -hmm. to support that new teacher uh, where the stakes are just a little bit lower and they don't feel as much pressure or you know, the opportunity to feel intimidated. We can have formal mentors and informal mentors, and oftentimes those informal mentors end up becoming our professional colleagues and friends. Everybody's there to help. Sometimes you have to be willing to ask 
a teacher that may be in that teacher's PLC or grade level may be more prone to say more quickly, I've been in your shoes. You know, five years ago, I was a new kid on the block. So here's some things that, you know, I'm seeing. Here are some things that, you know, have worked in my classroom. Come see me. Come see us. Come talk to us. You know, some of those teachers will rise to the occasion and kind of say, you know what? I think this kid needs a helping hand. And that helps the administrators know where their other informal leaders are in the building. And it really just looks like a different opportunity for the culture to be built in a different way to support that teacher. That definitely hits professionalism and school culture. You know, one of the things I value about your work, Jana, is that you work with so many pre-service teachers and then you're out in these buildings and they come back and they talk to you about their experiences. What are the greatest challenges that the new teachers are facing? I think there's still a great deal of anxiety uh, because of the whole COVID-19 pandemic. I think that anxiety is within our student teachers and teachers in the schools where they're placed. But I, I think also parents and families are still feeling that anxiety. And there are still so many differences of opinion and, and things that we don't know for sure. I think it's changed schools a lot. We need to pivot to technologies that teachers haven't traditionally used is, is another layer of that anxiety. And it's a difficult time to be out in the schools learning to become a teacher. I heard two things there, Jana. I heard this notion of really being cognizant of the school family connection. But the other idea you just put on the table was this notion of the use of technologies. On the one hand, there is anxiety and it's a difficult time to become a teacher. But on the other hand, it's probably a good thing that they're quickly going to, to learn these things from day one, because that way it will just be a, a part of their skill set and maybe easier to learn when you're a new teacher than when you've been teaching 20 or 25 years. May I just add on to that? I think that that is a really salient point that there is no unlearning when you're new. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just, I just, it just hit me like, at least they're not in a position where they don't have to unlearn anything, where the stakes may be high and maybe the bar may be a little bit higher on their learning curve. I think this is a great opportunity and then they can become, you know, masters of their craft, this new way of teaching that we're using. And the other piece that you talked about was this idea of the family school connection. For some new teachers, that gives them some anxiety because often families look at, especially if they're traditional new teachers, they look at a 22-year-old. What can this 22-year-old who's never had a family, who's never had children of their own, what can they tell me? How can they tell me things about my children? child and about things that maybe we need to talk about. How have those new student teachers or beginning teachers been dealing with that kind of relationship with families? I think the greatest benefit of new teachers is their enthusiasm. They're, they're fresh out of college. They're ready to try what they've learned and they're enthusiastic about it. And I think that that enthusiasm goes a long way. I think that even parents are willing to cut them some slack and understand that they're still growing and learning in the profession. 
And I think too that there's this commitment to the students that you have as an early career professional. You don't have all those other things to think about. You're really focused on the students that are in front of you. And you really got into the work because you wanted to impact and make their lives better. Jana, you've been working in the field of teacher leadership for almost your whole career. When you made a contribution to the book and talked about teacher leadership, how does that teacher leadership apply to new teachers? You think teacher leadership and you think about somebody that's been there forever, but how can you plant the seeds for leadership as a new teacher? And how did you talk about that in your contribution to the book? My intention with the chapter was to do exactly that, to encourage new teachers to begin thinking about developing as a teacher leader, even as they're developing as a teacher. And so I offered four steps that they can take and then a simple framework of teacher leadership that I've developed to help them recognize when they have acted as a teacher leader. Beginning with themselves, they need to think about their personal values and what they believe about students and learning and teaching. Then they need to get good at teaching because teacher leaders are teachers first. And so they have to really develop their craft. And again, we know that that will take time. But in the meantime, they can start getting involved beyond their classroom serving on committees, assisting with professional development, doing things to begin networking and contributing to others in the building. And then finally, taking initiative when they see a problem, when they face a challenge and they have an idea of how that might be resolved, they step up and they offer solutions or they mobilize other teachers to put their heads together and try to come up with a plan. And that is teacher leadership. And it's important that new teachers can recognize that I can be a leader, even though I haven't been in this work for a long time, that many people need to step up with leadership skills or an attitude that they want to improve aspects of the culture and that they can be part of that. I appreciate that, Jana. Mm -hmm. It's important for new teachers to understand that most teacher leaders are what the literature refers to as informal teacher leaders. These are teachers who are teaching full time, but they're going above and beyond just being a professional teacher to take initiative and to help solve problems and initiate projects beyond the classroom. Absolutely. Rashad, you wrote a piece for our book that talks about growing from an internal kind of a place, that you're looking at how to develop yourself. So tell us more about those growth moments that you speak of. We go to school, we have our student teaching, we have our methods of teaching math, we have all of those things. And we come into a building and we think and I've heard teachers say that when they have all these other nuances that kind of come against what you came to the classroom for, to teach. And I've heard teachers say, can I just come to work and teach? Well, the answer is no. There are a lot of other factors that come into being a classroom teacher, being an educator. In my chapter, I really wanted to get at the things that kind of make you great in a building, and that is building relationships 
being reflective, talking to some of those informal folks, the security guard, the secretary, the custodian, all those folks and things that kind of, I think that the principals, assistant principals and other visionaries have the big picture. But if you come into the classroom with a mindset to kind of take nuggets of that bigger picture and continue to build on all those experiences and relationships, you continue to do that and you build yourself as a teacher, you build yourself as a leader. So when Dr. Jana talked about being one of those informal leaders and taking the initiative without having a title. But if you come in with the notion that it's more than just what's happening in room 208, that you begin to fortify yourself as a person who is a part of the fabric of your community, a part of the culture of that school, the climate, and you make sure that you're taking those things on one thing at a time and just building your arsenal for success. And hopefully that's what folks are going to get out of my contribution. Both of these pieces were just really filled with such practical information. And the New Teacher's Guide to Overcoming Common Challenges, super easy. You get the short pieces, and then you get these great downloadables that you can use right away in your classroom, whether you are in an urban, suburban, or rural setting, whether it's high school, middle school, elementary, or pre-level. There's a lot there. I like to think of this podcast episode as part of the lightning round. So here we go. If you could only one bit of advice about professionalism, school culture, what would you say to a new teacher, Jana? I would say, hold yourself to a high professional standard, but be patient with yourself. Professionalism is learned, teacher leadership is developed, and both take time. Great advice. What about you, Rashad? I have three words, reflection, reflection, reflection trifecta. Both of you have given terrific responses to that lightning round. Thank you. And so if our listeners would like to contact you for more of those bits of wisdom, how can they do so? Jana? The best way to reach me is via email. My Bradley University email address is my first initial and my last name, J-H-U-N-Z-I-C-K-E-R at Bradley. Thank you so much, Jana. Rashad, how can our listeners reach you? I give my email. It's my initials, rjtally, T-A-L-L-E-Y, at cps.edu. And my Twitter handle is rjtally, again, rjtally007. Oh, I love that, 007. That's right. (laughs) Now, does that mean that you're the super spy around your school, though, there, Rashad? That means that I know it all and I do it all. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jana and Rashad, for spending time with us on today's episode. The information you have shared really supports new teachers and how they should be thinking about how to contribute to a positive school culture and how to stay professional. We also hope our listeners will follow our channel by either subscribing or actually following this podcast. You can also email us at thenewteachersguide at gmail.com to comment on this episode and or share ideas for future podcast topics. We want to hear from you. Finally, follow us on Twitter and DM us at New Teacher Talk One. The same is true for Instagram. You can find us at New Teacher Talk. And remember, as a new teacher, we are here to help you. Mm-hmm.